Everyone has an authentic and interesting story that we can all relate to. On Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie, our podcast gives these stories the space to be heard. Along the way, we will laugh, learn, and appreciate this interesting and crazy journey called life. Now, here is Stock and Hixie for the most authentic conversation you will hear today. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie is brought to you by AntiguaThreads.com. Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hixie. Well, Stock, you finally did it, didn't you? You finally got some people from Atlanta on this podcast that you can talk to. It's about time, isn't it? I mean, seriously. It's, it's only, about time. It's only like 25 episodes later, but you, you finally got what you wanted. You're very happy. I mean, you're smiling. I wish everyone could see how big of a smile you have on right now. Well, I'm excited. I mean, we've got two great guests today. Wait till you hear what these two ladies have started and done in Atlanta. It's a, it's really it's an it's a great story. We have um, Michelle Rooks and S Susan Watson with us, um, and they uh, they founded in 2017 a nonprofit organization called Daughters Against Alzheimer's Disease. Um, their their goal is to support the NIH, National Institute of Health goal, to prevent and effectively treat Alzheimer's by 2025. So that's a that's like a major goal, right? That's that's huge for NIH and just for them to be participating in that. Uh, their signature event, which I think is so, so cool, is, uh, is called the Battle for the Brain. It's a lip sync contest held in Atlanta in front of 1,500 people, by the way. Um, and where there's a contest and there's voting and I'm, I'm sure stock you watch the video and you have a friend that's in it and the costumes and the, the choreography is is really it's just amazing. They raised over one point five million dollars this year in one night. I mean, is that is that is that that's it's just awesome. Amazing. It's amazing. It's just, it's just and it's what's even more amazing is they did it with our friend on stage. I mean, you know, the fact that people gave that kind of money with Chris Payne on stage is just even more amazing. It's <laughs> I don't I don't even know him and it's amazing to me. So Oh, you'll know him. You'll know him. <laughs> and I, I do want to say, Sock, that after this podcast, if you want to pitch to uh, Michelle and Susan that you know the authentic duo comes down there for a little uh, next year for Battle of the Brain, we're we're in. You know, we need I, to come back. I'm in. What I'm are in. we gonna do? What 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 kind of act are we gonna do? I'm thinking I'm thinking Frank Sinatra. Who, who am I? Dean Martin? You're 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 in the background. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, here we go. Welcome, Michelle and Susan. We're so glad to have you. Uh now I'm gonna be quiet and let Rob take over the podcast. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Really appreciate it. So I guess the most one of the biggest questions that probably most people are going to have is if y'all would each tell us individually your experience with Alzheimer's and what kind of got you involved in this in this whole process, this whole initiative for Alzheimer's. Michelle? Well, for me, my mom was diagnosed. Um we lost her in 2018, but she was starting her battle against Alzheimer's in 
I guess around 2012. And as she was going through the, the disease, it was just so rough on us. I was hoping to find a way to make a difference. And as her journey was progressing, Susan's own mom was diagnosed. And, you know, we really wanted to come up with a way that we could make a difference, especially everywhere we turned, we had another friend or family member, colleague um, that was, you know, becoming affected. So, sure. and did your mom, how, how far did your mother get? Did your mother get to the point where she didn't recognize you at all, Michelle, or how she, far along? Yeah, she did not know who I was. Um, she didn't know who my children were. She didn't know where she was. She couldn't dress herself. She mm -hmm. didn't walk the last 14 months of her life and um, ultimately died by losing her ability to swallow food. So uh, it's heartbreaking. And Susan, what about you? Well, as Michelle said, um, she had already uh, been fundraising to support her mom and or to honor her mom. Um, for an event that's like a, a walk to end Alzheimer's for the mm -hmm. um, Alzheimer's Association. And I had supported her because we know each other. We, are, we raised our kids together and I grew up in Atlanta as well and um, at a school down the street from y'all. And um, uh, we, as she said, my mother was diagnosed and this disease yeah, has, it's just stayed behind closed doors for so long. Mm -hmm. And there's a stigma associated with it. It's fortunately a little less so now and, and we're getting better about it, but that stigma and that closed door means there's the awareness is very low, which means the funding is very low. Right. And I was fortunate. My mother said, scream from the mountaintops, go do, go, go make noise, go mm -hmm. raise the noise so that we can do something about this. She is still with us. Um, she's approaching late stage. Um, Sometimes hard to talk about. She's, sure. um, but she's, you know, she's using a walker. She still knows who I am. Um, she, she, her short term, I mean, her long term memory is very much intact still, for the most part. Um, you know, it's another thing. A lot of people really don't understand Alzheimer's, even those who are fairly close to it. Sometimes I think we find that people don't want to know what they don't want to know. But you know, this is Alzheimer's is not just a memory disease. That's obviously the most obvious sign right. but you know it is a it's a brain disease that basically shuts your body down one day at a time and um the short-term memory this is i think when they explained to me this way it made so much sense i always love sharing this um the doctors at emory share with me the it's not that they can't remember what they had for breakfast mm -hmm. it's that the memory never formed because the synapses yeah. aren't connecting. So they say the short-term memory is the first to go, well, it's actually, they form, they don't form the memories or they do sometimes. And that's why, mm -hmm. you know, you'll have a good day and you'll always say you fall prey to the hope of a good day because you're like, oh, mom was great today. And then, you know, the next day she, you know, she thinks she's at her mother's house and or stuck in the 80 pie house in Knoxville. Sure. It's, so it's, um, it's tricky. It's tricky. Is, is she in a memory, uh, care center or is she um, at home or she's in assisted living now as of okay. morgo um she's not yet in memory care you know that's another thing that is a fine line um you never want someone to go to memory care when they're not ready for it because it's they will fall into it just like that it's mm -hmm. uh, 
And so our goal is to keep her as engaged and as active and, you know, until, until. Sure. And, and is it just because Alzheimer's uh, is being discussed more now that it seems more prevalent or has it increased uh, the number of people that are getting Alzheimer's? Do you think it's increased over the last 20 years? What, what's the genesis of it? Is it, you know, just more prevalent because we're talking about it or has it truly increased the number of people that have gotten Alzheimer's? Michelle, you want to? Yeah, um, it, it's a little bit of both. So first of all, we are outliving our brains, so to speak. The baby boomers are all aging out and mm -hmm. it's about to, I mean, the doctors at Emory who we support, uh, we support research, we can talk more about that later. They call it the silver tsunami um, because it's just about to, it's just, you know, going to become epidemic, uh, rates. Um, right, right. The, um, the other thing is there is a lot more awareness people, as Susan was referencing, there was a stigma associated with Alzheimer's disease because a lot of the symptoms are very upsetting and disturbing. And mm -hmm. when I first started fundraising in honor of my mom, it was hard on my dad because he didn't want this to be public, even though everyone knew something was very wrong. Mm -hmm. um, so I think um, it's it's a lot of things, that, but age is a determining factor, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but luckily, well, hear, pardon? Go ahead. Well, I hear all these things about like, uh, there's always a new article every week, right? And I hear, well, you know, the gut-brain connection, maybe with additives and foods have added this, or, um, you know, maybe there's issues in regard to viruses that people catch that have some connection to Alzheimer's. I mean, I, it's like, it's obviously in the social media, it's obviously in the news a lot now, but I can't, not knowing much, I never know. Yeah. Have they been able to pinpoint it? And is, is there is there a hereditary factor as well in Alzheimer's? So you, um, I'll jump in. Um, the, uh, genetics are a factor. They're not uh -huh. necessarily a determining factor at all. Um, early onset, which is uh, basically when you develop it before the age of 65, tends to be more genetic than the later onset. But there are any number of genes that are relevant. There tends to be one that most people or most of the Alzheimer's community references most often called APOE4, which when people say, oh, should I get tested? That's what they're looking for. Whether mm -hmm. you have zero copies of that gene, one or two. Um, obviously, if you have two, you have a greater likelihood of developing it, but you can have two and never develop it and you can have zero and still develop it. So genetics are a relatively small piece of it. And right. you know, they always say, you know, genetics load the gun, but your environment pulls the trigger. Sure. And to your point about some of these other things, there, there is no, there is nothing in the medical community, even the somewhat alternative or holistic medical community that has determined that this virus or this, you know, we see things all the time and we have to kind of just smile and roll our eyes when someone will say oh well if you stand on your head and smell peanut butter you'll right. you know and it's like um but having said that um the nih did just in the last couple of years there was enough research to support um what the, one of the pillars of health that they suggest 
that um, are related to lifestyle. So up to, you can reduce your risk up to 40% by lifestyle factors, such as your level of education, um, staying you know active, your diet, your always learning new things, your sleep. Your sleep is absolutely the number mm -hmm. one um, you can do for your brain, quality of sleep and- Staying social. Staying social, very much staying social. And, um, you know, people will say, oh, I do crossword puzzles. And that's not bad. It's, you know, it's good, but that's not learning something new. That's sort mm -hmm. of like, well, I'm exercising, I'm walking, I'm exercising my legs. It's, no, it's like learning a new instrument, learning a new language, mm -hmm. yoga, where you're training your brain to do things your body has, you know. So it's, you wanting to, to um, increase neuroplasticity by developing new neurons that, so you have this cognitive reserve. Mm -hmm. Understood. Wow. And, you know, when you were talking about the stigma behind it, more so in the past, one of the things, only things I think about also, like with your dad, Michelle, was how hard it must have been even harder on the caregivers in the past if they felt like they were alone behind closed doors, taking care of somebody, not only having memory issues, but physical issues, obviously, yeah. as well, attention to daily living or, you know, taking care of themselves. Well, the caregiving piece is one reason why Alzheimer's is the costliest disease in the United States. And most people don't realize that, but it takes on average three or more people to take care of every one person affected. And, and it, often the primary caregiver develops health problems before the person they're caring for right. passes away. Um, and not only, yes, it's, you can't turn your head for a second. You can't return an email. You are taking care. I mean, we had to brush my mom's teeth. We had to, feed right, right, right. you know, it's just, it's overwhelming. And, and, you know, from our other classmate, Susan Parker, sure. whose dad was fighting Alzheimer's, her um, mom was a primary caregiver and developed cancer during yeah. his journey. And, died a few months after he did, um, but they had to put him in a home and, um, you know, she wasn't able to take care of her health. And yeah, yeah. we see it time and time again, not only that, but the expense of unpaid leave from work, for example. So if, if you have the means to put your loved one in a memory care facility, which is a hard enough decision to make, sure. Sure. Um, they can cost seven to 10 or oh, more. Yeah. A thousand dollars a month. Yeah, yeah. Which we the first time we pulled our group Daughters Against Alzheimer's together, we we had met people that lost their homes um, <laughs> because they couldn't can't work and and it, it is it's overwhelming. So, y'all both went through this, or you're both going through this right now, Susan, with your parents, your mothers, and how do y'all get together and say, hey, listen? Let's start this. Are y'all at the gym? Are y'all talking in a support group? Are you at a cocktail party? Are you, you know, what are you doing? How does, give, give us the picture of how the conversation started. You want me to do it? <laughs> we, I think we were talking over wine, but yeah. <laughs> sure. I, knew, I knew something like that was involved. <laughs> well, it was funny because as I said, I had supported her walk and um, she knew my mother had been diagnosed and you know, and she, she wanted to do more and asked if I would help her and get involved. And I said, no, <laughs> because right. I just come off a huge project here in Atlanta. Um, anyway, I'd taken a year and I really needed to 
take some time and focus on my mother and my own health. And I couldn't sleep that night. I just thought this is my mom, you know, and by nature, I think we're both fixers. You know, we can't just sit around and do nothing. And unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do to help people with Alzheimer's other than be there. But so we, uh, I, I called her the next morning. I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm all in. And the rest is history. We, uh, we brainstormed about what type of event. We found a little rinky-dink lip sync thing in South Georgia that we were like, ah, yeah, that's a cool idea. And decide to go for it. We, Michelle's dad helped us come up with the name Battle for the Brain. And we kind of begged Bart and stole from friends about, would you get on stage? Would you do this? You know, and we mustered together 10 great teams at the Buckhead Theater here in the heart of um, Atlanta. The first year? The first year, yeah. yeah. And, we had, and, we had, and we had no money. So literally when she said beg, I mean, everything was donated every food my company sponsored the venue and we uh made two hundred fifty thousand dollars that year that's awesome but that even awesome. more even more fun was we were we sat at the back of the room together kind of halfway through the show and we looked around and we were like i mean we got teary and we're holding hands we're like you know we've got something here because i do think a lot of people they showed up to support us mm -hmm. um, but i think they expected like a you know, a church basement talent show or something. Right, right. And we 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 always like to give the Falcons cheerleaders a little credit because they've been with us every year. Four or five teams have, but just being somewhat professional, they they kind of raise the bar or they set the bar. And yeah. so the teams were like, ah, you know, we've got to compete against that. And dang, if every year these teams don't just get better and better and better. But wait, wait, the fa did the Falcon cheerleaders do a song? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, every, every, every year. Every year, yeah. Since 2017, they they just competed this past year. Wow. Well, now I know Hixie wants to go down for sure. I <laughs> <laughs> and um and but the the daughters against Alzheimer's is the parent. Yes. Uh, okay. And it's the organization. Organization and. Do y'all have plans? I want to get back to Battle of the Brain in a minute, but do y'all have plans for this to grow at all into other areas around the country? We have a we have a lot of people asking for us to do that. We have a lot of cities that would love to replicate the event, and we know how hard it is to put it on at the scale that we do. So we uh -huh. have talked about doing that, um, but we would really need to step it up and hire some people and it would be a whole different growth plan to step outside of the city but there there is a lot of chatter about it so when you say that michelle am i like are you saying maybe like daughters against alzheimer's maybe does a fundraiser and has operating capital to help put on battles for the brain in other markets is that what you're alluding to well it would too it much would, to say it would have to you know, right now we grant everything. We, all of our proceeds go directly to research, but yeah. you know, to, to grow, you would need to invest in some back office. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but it would be a big decision for us uh, just because it takes us all year to prepare for this event and to do it right. And to mentor our teams, um, 10, 11 teams, uh, recruiting, 
meeting with people in the community, sponsors, planning the show, um, getting our auction and our raffle and our live auction all set. It's, it's, um, And then there's the not so glamorous parts like the, you know, the audit and the tax mm-hmm. and the, you know, the stuff, the software, the, sure. you know, the behind the scenes stuff that takes a lot of time. But we have been our goal when we first started this, we really did envision doing it in other cities. But as we've moved along, we thought, Whew, I don't know that other cities could replicate it because we have no employees. And we have some contractors, you know, serve different roles and, you know, graphic design and management stuff. But the, you know, our world headquarters is my breakfast room table. Mm-hmm. And that's for a reason. It's so we can give as much as possible to research. And, sure. but, you know, we haven't ruled anything out. And there are ways we do live stream our event. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have the sort of genesis of an idea of, rather than replicating our event in other cities, using our live stream to create events in other right. cities right. with the live stream and, and having, you know, remote, um, our producer could do remote video casting and, you know, we could bring in, you know, eight cities with the MCs. Yeah. You, there's a lot you could do. There's got it. Got it. And so what, go ahead, Hicks. So, um, how much money have you guys raised cumulatively? I've got two questions. One, what's the total that you've raised so far of your goal of $10 million? And then two, can you speak a little bit about how uh, an organization um, that you all started from scratch with a very specific uh, focus, how people can do it for other, you know, whatever ALS or, you know, whatever it is. And, and do you, do you feel like you're really moving the needle, you know, with, I mean, it's fantastic and the money is huge, but do you really think that you're moving the needle? I I think you are, but I mean, do you think so? Oh, I'll answer to that. Absolutely. I mean, this has been the most exciting year in research and the money that we are granting to Emory's Alzheimer's Disease Research Center, which is not only local for us, but they're one of the leaders in research for Alzheimer's nationally and internationally. And they have found new proteins in the blood tests that we fund. So if you think about it like this, the, the changes in our brains are happening 15 to 20 years before we're symptomatic. And right now we are not going to the doctor until we're symptomatic. And it's a little bit you can do to help reduce the plaques from your brain. But if we can detect the disease in its earliest forms, we can actually treat it before cognitive decline begins. And even if we can start giving people five, 10 extra years of living independently, it, it is going to completely change the trajectory of, of the disease. So yet we are, we are not even seeing a direct impact, but kind of the indirect impact of what we are helping do will change the face of this disease for the next generation so that our children do not have to look at the disease in the same way we do. Well, and I would add to that a few things. One, to answer your question, we've raised over $5 million. Um, I don't know the exact number at this point because it changes every day, but five, close to five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
And, um, but for every dollar that we give Emory, they basically are able to multiply that by 10 because philanthropic dollars, they're able to, they're not, it's not, it's unrestricted. And, but the NIH funds and other grants and so forth are, are restricted and they only will fund things that show promise. So our money can go with towards what they call high risk and, and like the development of these blood tests, although that's become a lot less, it's a, it's moving toward a very sure thing now. But um, so the philanthropic dollars are the, the heart and soul of, and I imagine, you know, to, to your other question with other diseases that it's, it's similar, you know, you've got to, what we're doing while it's very grassroots, very, um, you know, it sprouts <laughs> and it is, um, just an amazing thing to watch what happens when you, again, it's raising awareness. It's, it's raising the noise. It's getting people. I mean, we, just the fact that it's, we don't just raise more money each year. We have more and more people each year. I mean, we're busting out of our venue. We have, we've talked about doing television. We've talked, you know, and um, I do think that a lot of our success though is based on the fact that it is so grassroots, that it's a very personal, mm-hmm. we dot every I, we cross every T. And one of the reasons we like staying small is because we're nimble and we're able to, every every single donor we know personally, or we get to know, mm-hmm. and or we have a, at least a, you know, an email relationship with them, um, even because maybe across the country, but we, and, and it's almost immediate, our response. And it's, and we're not doing that to impress anyone. We're doing it because we're so genuinely grateful. We're so, we know that it takes a village. We can't do this on our own. And we refer to it as our battle family and the family just keeps growing. And I do think that other, um, a lot, you know, I, in fact, Tom, I have a friend in Alabama who was saying, oh, you need to come over here and help with, do something like that with ALS. And I'm like, whoo. Like Michelle said, we're exhausted, but we can certainly kind of paint a picture for you. But it, it's it's a lot of work, but it's a labor of love and worth every minute of it. So, yeah. And, and I'll, oh, sorry. I was, I was just going to add, complimenting what Susan said. We don't. We're not a programs and services nonprofit. What we fund research, but kind of on that note, we had seventy volunteers helping us put this event on February first. And as this gives us so much meaning, it gives them meaning as they are with loved ones fighting the disease. And it also gives them a way to contribute back to the community and make a difference. And just by being with, we're not a support group, but we are giving them so much support. Uh, We will go to lunch with people. We want to get to know them and we want to be able to them to call us if they're having a bad day. So I'm, I'll just add that little piece too. Yeah. Well, I, I would say I wouldn't change. I mean, just from what I've seen and I've watched the videos and stuff, I, I wouldn't change a thing of what you're doing. You're obviously very successful. And I think the lip syncing uh, idea is so out of the realm. I mean, I've never heard, you know, I've seen it like in a bar or something where you're, you know, just goofing around. But to your level where you guys are doing it, that it's, it's really amazing. I mean, I'm looking at the choreography and the, the costumes and I mean that takes months for those people to get ready and so um, 
I, I wouldn't change a thing. And I think you're smart to to keep it small, to keep it light and to keep it um, where all the money is going to the good. And that's fantastic. Yeah, we're able to, you know, even things we, we keep our board relatively small, again, on, on purpose. Um, but even things like, you know, because we have to get audited now, it, it's we're you know, we, we're so knowledgeable, both of us about every single piece of everything we're doing that we, we can answer questions like this. We, you know, we're able to be very efficient, you know, and, and, and you'll have some real, aside from the individual donors, you have some really strong corporate donors, don't you? Absolutely. If you go to the sponsor tab of our website, we think we have the one of the most impressive sponsor groups of any event. And compared to when I did other type of events that were the same that everyone was doing, that was one thing that I noticed that people were not, companies were not wanting to get in and support. But at Battle for the Brain, everyone seems to know each other. And I mean, this is one of Susan's favorite quotes, but you know, there are a lot of events where people say, well, how much do I have to pay not to go? Um, this mm -hmm. is the one event people are, will not miss in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And we have strategically scheduled it in February to Perfect. not compete with a lot of the other fundraisers in the, in the fall. And I mean, our, as Susan said, our battle family, it just grows and grows because it's such a great network event too. I mean, and it's a show, so you're not stuck, you know, sitting with people you don't know. I mean, people are on their feet dancing. Mm -hmm. shy. I mean, it's it's amazing. So here's a hard question for, for both of y'all. What's the hardest thing right now about what you're doing? It's It's fantastic. You've grown it. Grassroots. It's incredible what you've made donations-wise. But just the two of y'all individually, it's a lot to take on. What's the hardest thing about keeping the wheel rolling every year? Not resting on our laurels. So we, you know, we we up our game every year. We just, it's um, just today we were talking about uh, 10 different ways we can make more money next year, but stay in the same venue and, and with the same, you know, elements and uh, um and but that it is hard it is hard i mean I'm sure we, it is yeah. we've barely taken a breath since february 1st and we've both been a little sick and we're like we, we don't you know we can take a couple more days but we got to get to work you know because we've only got you know 11 and a half months to go <laughs> so it's um there's no rest for the weary and um but it's it's exciting because there are people who come into us now you know mm -hmm. with like and um, time, I guess, you know, time is always a challenge, but Michelle, what yeah, I just, I, I think because it is the two of us, I know I personally, personally feel responsible for every single person who's involved with us, whether they're a volunteer, a donor, a sponsor, mm -hmm. a choreographer, a team member, I want them to have a, not just a good experience, an exceptional experience. And I think since we don't have a committee that you can't say, oh, well, the committee, right? <laughs> it's, it's one of us. So I, I, I think we just care so much 
we care about the cause. We care about every single person involved with us. Um, you know, it's just wanting to make sure everyone's taken care of. And the volume of what we deal with is, is really pretty extraordinary. Um, and, and as Susan said, I mean, we answer every email every day that comes to us. If someone comes to us saying, I need help, we'll get them to help. And if it's nothing we can help with, we'll try to ref find a reference, you know. Okay. Yeah. I would start to add, um, you know, we're not superhuman. And so we have, over the last couple of years, we, we do pick and choose certain elements that we can delegate, find someone that we trust, train, mm -hmm. let go a little bit, not completely, but you know, to the sure. degree that frees us up to, because our time is more valuable when we can go, you know, solicit sponsors than, you know, d playing with software, you know, so it's, um, we, we are trying to do more of that. It is, that's not easy either. The whole world knows it's hard to find good people. Sure. Also people who do it for free. Um, <laughs> and we, <laughs> we, we often, um, as Michelle said, we joke when, you know, all these people, especially right after the event, you know, they're all hyped up like, oh my God, I want to help. I want to do something. I want to do something. And then we tell them, well, what we do is raise money mm -hmm. and crickets. You never hear from them again. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. You know, but anyway. But. So for, for people that are listening right now, if, and, and they want to get involved um, or participate should they contact one of you? What's the best way to get in touch with y'all? Yeah, you can. You would you, you know, website? Um, what's the best thing to do? Well, yeah, our website battleforthebrain.org um, okay. has our info email that goes to us, and uh, feel free to poke around on there um, about our mission and the event. Um, of course, we just wrapped an event, so the website will be updated pretty soon to mm -hmm. be more geared for the next event. But we we are taking donations for this year's event through March 31st, so there's still time to donate. Um, every single penny to us counts, um, and it all goes directly to Emory's Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. Um, and, and how do y'all determine, this is a real important question right now, because I know Tommy wants to know and he won't ask. How do you determine who gets on stage and who doesn't? I knew that was coming. Um, and I We say, have to bring a pile of money from Virginia down, <laughs> raise well, a bunch of money to get Tommy on stage. What do we got to do? That, that would help. That would help. We do take runs. <laughs> uh, we, we're lucky. So we can accommodate 10 to 12 teams. Um, no more because you got, you got to, you know, have people leaving wanting more. Right. And we like it's a school night. We do it on Thursday night. So, um, but we have five, five of our teams are original. They've been with us every single year. And the uh, we've had a little Falcons, bit of Falcons cheerleaders, JP Morgan, no, uh, Morgan, Stanley. Morgan Stanley, Morgan Stanley. Sorry. Dorf, Dorf, Dorf. Um, Dorf, Dorf, Realtors. Yeah. Is it just the four? Um, let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Cause right. I yeah. I threw you off when I said JP Morgan rather than Morgan Stanley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. 
We won't tell Chris. Um, but we, um, and I was thinking about this when you said what's one of the hardest things. Um, yeah. Something we're facing right now is we we do challenge each team to raise $100,000. Um, we've never had more than four cross that threshold. We don't mm -hmm. require it, but we, we do encourage it. And sure. we are here to raise money after all. Um, it is fun though, because a lot of the people who are on stage, I mean, it's, we joke, you know, it's Susie from accounting and she's oh, sure. breaking it down because she's oh, yeah. at that inner theater person anyway. But um, sometimes, and we're fine, we, you know, we have to make the decision that to not ask a team back because we need to fill it with a team that's actually really going to focus on raising money. So mm -hmm. that's hard because we, we adore all these people. I mean, they're so committed to the event overall and we appreciate what all every person every single person has helped us get to this point and uh but but yeah we are we do have to stay on point we're here to raise funds and um to maximize that we've got to we've got to keep nudging people to that's why we're here you know so 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 stock um to susan and michelle actually um Stocks st for next year. What if stock is in for 150k, and I get to do Michael Jackson solo? Wh which song? Which song? <laughs> don't 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 stop till you get enough. <laughs> Nobody's ever done pay, What if I paid 150 for Tom not to perform and y'all box him out? <laughs> I think that would be better. Hey, okay. goodbye me. Goodbye me. Rob, you can, do, you can do a Collier's team. Oh, I hear you. Well, I know Collier's is down there. I mean, Rob Jordan, a, a good buddy, is a partner over there in Collier's, and uh, they could do a, they could do a team. I, that's a good idea. Do you know uh, Andrew Wagaspak? I don't know Andrew. He's here in Atlanta too, and he's always supported. He's my neighbor, and uh, I I tried to reach out to them, but he had a he had a hip replacement this year, so no oh good. wow. But um. Well, I'll think about it. Honestly, I'll think about people in Atlanta, um, but I understand what you're saying. You have your core, but you're always looking for those because you are raising money and you want to continue to make it grow. I get that totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are no auditions if that's where you're going. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing. I'm not sure Payne would have made it, but anyway. <laughs> no, well, all, they have in come, all honesty. He's come a long way. Chris Payne, a good friend of Michelle's and I went to high school has done a fantastic job uh, from everything I can tell with his performances. He's totally into it. And his organization has been a big part of raising money and he should get some real kudos for what he's done. And uh, so, um, yes. so this goes out to you, Chris. And I do want to say, ladies, it is absolutely unbelievable that y'all have started this from scratch, that the energy you've created in Atlanta and the money you've raised and donated to Emory uh, is just awesome. And you should feel really, really good about what y'all done. And I know it's for Alzheimer's. I know it, you know, is helping with the research. But individually, both of y'all should feel really, really proud because it's really, really cool. And my hat goes off to you for what you've done. Wow. Thank you very much. And we could not do it without so, so many people. You know, we... Yeah, it's 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 our family. I understand. I understand. Uh Hixie? 
Yeah, I, I just want to say the same thing. I mean, you, you guys are truly impressive at what you've started and what you've done in these in these years for such a great cause. And gosh, what a what a great uh, story to tell others that you can actually do something like this on your own without hiring a bunch of people. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's a lot of hours and all that stuff. But it can be done to to move the needle in, in medical research to help people 20 years down the road. So kudos to you guys. And, and thanks so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, word, word's going to get spread in Virginia now for what's going on down in Atlanta. Okay, Charlottes, Charlottesville may be our next stop, right? You're always welcome. We have a venue if you want one. No, not, no, th thank you for letting us share our story, share awareness. Um, as you know, we talk about awareness brings funds and and if with a little hard work and ingenuity, you can uh, make a difference. Well, you all made a big difference. Thank you so much, ladies. And uh, if you ever need to come up or ever want to do anything here, let us know. And if we hear about people that are interested in getting involved down there, we'll let you know. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Authentic Conversations with Stock and Hicksy is broadcast for the world from Charlottesville, Virginia by Tom Hicks and Rob Stockhausen. Please like, follow, and share if you have enjoyed this conversation. Have an authentic day.